0: Hello friends and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at loco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is free and ensures you never miss another episode. You'll also be able to catch up on any previous episodes you might have missed. Tonight's show is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. On tonight's show, we will be covering a couple of different things. The first one I wanted to talk about is Winnipeg vs. Edmonton over the weekend, which is one of the games that was, of course, not one that we've covered yet. And uh, unfortunately, there are some things that I think are going to be particularly relevant with that game as we head into the postseason. Not exactly great signs, but we'll kind of break those down in detail a little bit later. And then towards the end of the episode, I did want to go a little bit off topic and talk about one of the largest things in sports that's happening right now. And something that I think gives a really interesting perspective on, you know, where fans really place in the sport. And why it's important to hold your, your your local teams and some of the more professional, larger sports teams accountable for their actions and, and how they are financed and what they ultimately do. This has been a bit of an uncomfortable topic when it comes to Jets fans because, you know, a lot of Winnipeggers definitely remember, you know, the Jets leaving the first time in the 90s. So when it comes to criticizing the current iteration of the Jets, I do think that there is a fear that the team will leave and and that things are going to be vacant again. What we'll cover towards the end of the episode, though, I think is a a very good illustration of why it's important to always kind of have an open dialogue with these sports teams and sort of remember that ultimately fan support may not be enough. Sometimes you have to vote against things with your wallet and really try and force the matter because a lot of pro teams are going to do what they want. Not that Winnipeg is actually in particular danger of doing this, but we'll kind of cover some of the implications for these sport at large and really pro sports in general because I think that this move could be I don't think it's going to have that much of an impact on the on the world of North American sports necessarily, but it's a very interesting thing to talk about and something to consider when it comes to the Jets, especially in terms of brand image and, and how this team tends to, in a lot of ways, avoid certain criticisms. First, though, let's talk about Jets versus Oilers. And in this game, I, I felt like the first 20 minutes or so were probably Winnipeg's most promising signs. In previous games against the Oilers, in which they were, I believe, something like 2-4 and four against this team, a lot of the losses sort of came in the same sort of manner. You know, the Jets were okay in some of these games, but for the most part, a lot of them were Edmonton getting the lead and then just shutting the Jets down. This often happened because Paul Maurice and the coaching staff would try to line match heavily against the 97 line, which doesn't tend to work all that well. A lot of the hard matchups involved Shifley's line, and when Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler were together, it was basically a guaranteed goal against if McDavid was on the ice. Part of that's just because, you know, neither of those three guys are particularly defensively attuned, not super shocking, but the larger issue is that when they do this hard matching thing, which, alright, you're already losing the matchup, but they're also hard matching it constantly whenever McDavid is on the ice, so if they're targeting that, that sort of matchup with the Shifley line, what you're gonna do is you're gonna start cutting back on everyone else's minutes. This tends to happen because, you know, McDavid's line plays a lot. Like, sometimes nearly half a game. You know, 25-30 minutes is not that uncommon for McDavid and his teammates. The principal reason is that, you know, McDavid is basically a cheat code, right? So if you have somebody who can basically just break the game open at any time, you basically lean on that guy constantly. But the other issue is, is that the Oilers' depth is pretty terrible. Before the game, I joked that the uh, the lineup basically looked like Bakersfield, although I, I would say that it's actually not that much of a joke. The three lines after the McDavid line, they really do look like the Condors. The defensive lineup is definitely a little more NHL caliber, but when you look at the forward unit, it's it's pretty rough. You've got like five or six NHL players, uh, you know, guys who are sort of up and down the spectrum. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Puya elite. Yamamoto kind of getting close to being elite. But this team was without Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and looking at the lineup without him and and seeing a lot of these guys who are probably, for the most part, either fourth liners or AHLers, it's just not a great mix. If you're a team like the Jets, that's where your matchups are going to start to really take over. If you can beat those depth forwards and really try and limit the damage that McDavid does while also taking advantage of their lack of really good, you know, second, third, and fourth lines... Overall, you should be able to dictate the tempo of the game because, let's be honest, if McDavid's only playing 25 or 30 minutes, that's 30 to 35 minutes that you've got a very good chance of winning if, in fact, your players are playing up to par and you're being as aggressive and intense as you possibly can. In the first period, I felt like the Jets, even though they did give McDavid and some of his other teammates a little bit more space, it felt at least like the Jets were creating offense. Winnipeg had some really good low-slot looks, and I felt like some of their crossing passes were getting to pretty dangerous areas, There was a lot to be, I wouldn't say impressed by or really hopeful for, but it was more than I was expecting. The Jets actually seemed to be getting into some of the more dangerous scoring areas, and some of the crossing passes are the sorts that the Jets have been very good at exploiting. Unfortunately, I think the other issue was, um, you know, anytime Edmonton was on the ice, it kind of felt like the Jets' defenders didn't really attack them aggressively. So for as many chances as the Jets were able to create, which they created some, I wouldn't say that they were all dangerous or anything, but it was certainly not a shutout, but Edmonton would instead actually get most of the really highly dangerous chances in that opening period. That's not the trend I was hoping for, because if Edmonton is actually sort of doubling you up in in expected goals and chances, and it's not just the McDavid line, it means that you're not really taking advantage of the matchups that you really do have in your store. The Jets' forwards should frankly run over most of Edmonton's roster, and the fact that the Jets didn't really do that in the first period was a good indication of the fact that Winnipeg was probably borderline in this game. Playing evenly against the Oilers is one thing if their lineup is at full health and they have all of their forwards kind of playing the proper positions. To be honest, though, looking at that lineup, the fact that the Jets were kind of, you know, at times actually conceding more dangerous looks is... It's not really great, especially if you're not creating an equal amount of offensive opportunities in the other end. Neither team scored on that opening period, but I did get the sense that as the game wore on, somebody would start to take control, and I was a bit concerned that it was going to be Edmonton. In just a little bit, we'll take a look at how exactly this game unfolded, because after a promising-ish looking first period, I think things probably didn't go quite according to plan. Let's put it that way. Before we wallow in sadness, though, I thought you should hear about something fantastic, and that's the 1010 Jewelry Collection. A capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10x10. This collection features high quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight. And they're fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. This ring from Platt Boutique is amazing. It's so simple and clean, but the vintage details are just incredible. It's a perfect little ring that's so timeless and would make the perfect gift. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she will treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this one out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10x10 only at BlueNile.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about Winnipeg versus Edmonton, as well as some trends that I think the Jets are probably going to need to reverse. Before we talk about how this game depressingly ended, I wanted to tell you about why the Locked On NFL Network needs to be in your daily podcast rotation as we near draft day. The Lockdown Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live NFL Draft coverage. Of course, while the NFL Draft is oncoming, we still have NHL season to deal with first. And I use the words deal with because that's kind of what it felt like watching Winnipeg versus Edmonton. The Oilers were not exactly allowing the Jets to do much, especially in the second period. The Jets kind of had an aggressive start. I felt like they were disrupting some of Edmonton's you know, zone breakouts and stuff. They were attacking the Oilers as they were trying to exit their own blue line, but then, eventually, the Oilers started to take control, and it felt like the Jets backed off a lot. I don't understand why the Jets constantly give Edmonton so much space to work. You know, the Oilers don't really handle pressure well. When Winnipeg actually has sustained zone pressure and can actually create a cycle, the Oilers tend to collapse, and they don't really have, like, a great defensive structure. It's just sort of baffling to me that in a period in which the Oilers kind of... Sort of did and shut down the Jets, Winnipeg basically managed like four or five whole shots on goal for, I don't know, most of the period. Instead of uh, anything happy happening, unfortunately Edmonton ended up scoring first on the power play with a bit of a point shot that was uh, not exactly a great one to concede from Tyson Berry. If you were hoping for things to sort of turn around in the third period, well, uh, unfortunately that did not occur. Edmonton added more goals from Yesapuya and Alex Chason on the power play and on some busted defensive sequences, so... Yeah, um, not really a great game from the Jets. I think a lot of what ended up happening was that once Edmonton had the lead, they basically just sort of dumped the puck down the ice and let Winnipeg chase. And then once the Jets were back up the ice with the puck, Edmonton just sort of clogged every single zone and shut down every sort of injury point just because the Jets are very predictable with their puck movement. Once you figure out how to isolate Winnipeg skaters, especially their puck carriers, and the lack of blue line activation support, it tends to be a very formulaic breakout. So I think the Jets... Yeah, they basically got shut down, they didn't create much, and I think it gives me a worrying feeling for when the Jets face this team in the postseason. One of the big lineup changes, and I use uh, big, not necessarily as a pun, but certainly for, I think, the kind of style of game that we're talking about. You know, inserting Logan Stanley back in over Ville Heinle didn't really make sense to me. Yes, Logan Stanley is huge. Yes, he's physical. But against a lot of the speedier, grindier forwards and occasionally some of the speedy counters that Edmonton hits you with, you need back-end creativity, and I think that that's something where Heinelo will always have the edge. Villy's very good on the puck. His decision-making is good. He understands zone keeps. He's very good at pressuring inside the offensive zone. His reads are just a little bit at a higher level. Well, I I wouldn't say a little bit. He's like a phenomenally smart player, but I'm trying to be a little bit generous here. You're trying to compare a big physical third-pairing D with somebody who has the potential to be a first-pairing power play and even-strength quarterback. So it's important to understand who Heinle is and how he approaches the ice because his very, you know, uh, focused approach to creating breakouts, hitting players with really good distribution, making great passing decisions— and just generally positively promoting play up the ice is something that I don't think Logan is quite as capable of doing. Stanley certainly has a big shot, he's actually a pretty decent passer when he's not under pressure, and he can certainly be strong on the puck when he is leading a breakout, but I think Heinle just does these things at such a fundamentally higher level that you have to look at the team that you're facing and say, well, if Edmonton is going to sort of bunker down, you need skill and creativity in possession, and I think that that's something Heinle really would have brought to this game. I also kind of look at Winnipeg's like, lack of um, offensive breakouts and stuff as something of a real worrying sign. If you're skating into Edmonton's trap every single time and you're getting caught every single time and all the Oilers have to do is just dump the puck down the ice, I think that, that there's like a, a strategic change that you need to make somewhere. If you're not really getting enough aggression or you're not getting any sort of penet- penetration into Edmonton's defense, maybe you should make some adjustments. I think that that's something you know Paul Maurice and the coaching staff have never really gotten down. They've done it sometimes, mostly when injuries have forced their hand, but usually the Jets' adjustments aren't really all that great. The fact that Edmonton has done this now for like three times in a row is kind of a worrying trend. I think the Jets have basically found a way to lose to Edmonton every single time. And obviously it's not like Winnipeg is going to get shut out like they were on this game, but, you know, if you're really struggling to create offense and you're not getting enough aggression and you're watching your guys essentially just get frustrated as they're continually getting intercepted, blocked off, and tiring themselves out skating back and forth just carrying the puck only to find themselves in yet another trap, then maybe you need to start thinking about making some serious adjustments. I can't say that I have an easy answer. I think you're going to have to allow your blue liners to be more offensively aggressive. I think you need to be more physical. You need to close down spaces and stop giving Edmonton room to carry the puck. You just need to sort of up the aggression like you do against teams like Toronto. No disrespect to the Oilers roster, but frankly, how the Jets played against them and how much they were essentially run over by Edmonton's forecheck and essentially just defensive lockdown performances, it's frankly inexcusable. The Jets can't be shut out by a team that's basically two-thirds of an AHL roster married to the McDavid line, right? So, come postseason time, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is probably going to be in, which means the team's going to be better. You're going to expect some more experience for some of the younger players. And I have a feeling that if Tippett again gets a lead in any of these games, he's just going to turn back to the same thing every single time because he knows that Paul Maurice falls for it every single time. If you know that, you know, the Shifley line is going to be hard matched to the 97 line, which always ends disastrously, all Tippet has to do is just wait for Maurice to make the changes and ultimately trap him. And it's the same story every single game. Like, you know, the last three or four of these games have all played out identically. It's very frustrating to me that Winnipeg can't seem to solve this Oilers team, and it's its only a couple of weeks away that the Jets are going to have to face them in a seven-game series. If Winnipeg can't solve this faster, you know, and certainly in the next couple of games that they play them, they're not going to win more than one or two games against the Oilers if they can't, you know, figure this crap out. I mean, its its it's a trend that's bad enough to ruin any sort of hope for a deeper playoff run Winnipeg would have, because this team, for whatever reason, just seems to be the Jets' kryptonite. They need to stop being so hell-bent on, on matching McDavid's line all the time and just be a little bit more flexible. You can roll your four lines. Look, the, the Lowry line actually handled McDavid's unit pretty well the last time they were out there. Trust in your players, because if you don't, you're still going to lose anyways. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this uh, this lack of performance against the Oilers and if you think the Jets can actually either reverse their fortunes or if they're likely to fall prey to the same thing yet again. So as always, give me your thoughts at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Jets on Twitter. As I mentioned earlier, before we logged off for the evening, I did want to talk about one other major topic, and that is the uh, upcoming European Super League for Football, which actually has some interesting implications for how we talk about sports and especially the responsibility and duties of pro athletes and pro teams in all of sports. And this actually, in many ways, is salient for the Winnipeg Jets. Before we go on, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why Bilt Bart is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Bilt Bar, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, Bilt Bars are the only protein bars that taste more like a candy bar. They're coated in 100% chocolate, and they have a soft, chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, raspberry and mint brownie make sense to me as some of your earliest starting points, but if you want to try all of them, be sure to check out their variety box. All of these flavors are delicious, you know, double chocolate's great, toffee almond is fantastic, coconut's just as good as the rest. But Bilt refused to stop at just the best and are looking to get even better with six brand new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. I have tried all six, and lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream might be my two favorites, but honestly, you really can't go wrong with any choice. All of them are two hundred calories or less, between forty to nineteen grams of protein and four to five grams of net carbs meaning they're just as good for you as they taste. To place your order, go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, it's really hard to know a name that you can trust that's reliable, safe, and convenient. Stop wasting your time searching and choose BetOnline.ag for all your online betting needs online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, international soccer, NHL, and so many other sports are all in full swing. Not a sports fan, not a problem. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you're interested in placing a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who you think is getting voted off a favorite reality TV show next, BetOnline also has your back for all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets every single time. It's your one-stop shop for all things sports-related. And getting started couldn't be easier. Create your free account at betonline.ag, either via desktop or your mobile device, and when you sign up, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus when you make your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We have covered Winnipeg versus Edmonton, which was, um... Not a great game, Winnipeg uh, got shut out 3-0, so yeah, um, worrying signs against Edmonton. Of course, Winnipeg sports was certainly not the biggest and uh, most pressing sports news around. The world of pro sports has probably been shaken by the announcement of a football-related European Super League, which is very huge. The long and short of it is, 12 European football teams are either removing themselves from their domestic competitions or somehow staying in them while creating a separate international competition that is apart from something like Champions League and Europa League so that they can make more money. This, of course, rebalances every single league that these teams are a part of, but probably not for the better, as there are likely to be serious revenue imbalances, and if those teams remain in the domestic competitions even still, it will be a problem since they're about to make a ton more money than they would normally. I bring this up because I think it's interesting to see the fan reactions to how a lot of them have been very vocal against the idea of this new Super League. A lot of supporters and fans have basically said that if their club volunteers themselves for this initiative, they're going to walk away from the team. In North American sports, we haven't really had something like this in some time. I I don't know if there was like a really simple comparison because for the most part, we don't have something on this scale happening very often. You could argue certain racing leagues and whatnot splitting apart is the most comparable thing that we've seen, but aside from that, we don't really have many similar situations. What is interesting is seeing how the fans have really openly revolted against a lot of these decisions, and they're constantly protesting, they're arguing against it, they feel the structure is unfair, and they're very critical of these clubs. It's very interesting to see all of these fans want their clubs to be accountable, because you don't often see that with a lot of other pro sports teams. I look at the Winnipeg Jets and the decisions that they often make, and and sure, nothing like this has ever happened with the Jets. It's on a completely different scale, and I think, for many reasons, the criticisms don't really apply in the same way. But, you know, generally speaking, from a very high level, you don't see the Jets come under fire very often for their decisions and their lack of playoff success, and and certainly for the mediocre performance of the team. The media has kind of been softball around them. You know, the, the fans don't really openly criticize the team, and to me it's very interesting because I feel like in some ways, there's still a level of accountability that the Jets need to be held up to. The team at times has been good, and I think, you know, 2017-2018 was really a sign of what the Jets could be if the right investment and the right attention was paid to the roster and the coaching staff. The problem is, the team has very much fallen off the wayside since then, and I think the the amount of accountability and the answers and questions that need to be brought about for, for really addressing why this has happened haven't been brought forth enough, and I feel like the fans need to be a little bit more critical and and certainly a little bit more willing to hold the team accountable for the lack of success. You know, the Jets are certainly a team that asks a lot of money for us to watch and, and subscribe to their services and different products and things, so in, a, in many ways we are kind of shareholders in their whole product. The Jets may be far more than just a business, but I would like to see the team I don't know, do something to get a little bit more competitive. It feels like Winnipeg in some ways has at times settled for too many half measures and it feels like the decisions that have sort of held them back the most they don't really want to undo or, or work on. And so the Jets are kind of stuck in this weird limbo state and I feel like unless they ever find a way to break out of this and really get on the same page between the coaching staff and the, the management staff, it's going to continue to be just a lackluster product. At some point, you have to feel that the fans are going to start voting with their wallets and certainly telling the team that it's, it's just not acceptable and it's not good enough. I've seen more fans over the past couple of seasons starting to turn on the team than I ever have over the last five or six years of being a Jets fan. It just didn't seem to break until the last couple of seasons, and finally people are starting to run out of patience, and I feel like the Jets, they should be aware of this, I think they probably are, and I feel like they need to take steps to address it. Their window to be something special is rapidly closing, and this team doesn't have many great seasons left with some of these players. Find a way to make the most of it while you still can, and if you have to break some eggs to do it, do it. Don't be stupid and reckless, but think about change and look at it from different perspectives. Maybe something inside the organization isn't good enough. From a results perspective, too much of it is being driven by, you know, Connor Hellebuck being unbelievable in net. If that's the case, maybe you need to make some changes at the top. Either way, I think Winnipeg is kind of in a state where, you know, you look at a lot of other clubs and teams out there that are actually held up to really high standards and certainly held accountable by their fans, and you feel like the Jets are maybe allowed to slide too many times. I feel like the Jets need to have some sort of accountability and more of an open dialogue with the fan base, and maybe the growing rift between management and the coaching staff is going to be the thing that sort of opens that up. I'd love to know your thoughts on this, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLocal and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. Maybe you think I'm crazy, maybe you agree with me, maybe you have no real opinion on this. Either way, I'd love to get your thoughts. For tonight's show, though, I will kind of cap it off here. We'll have some more Winnipeg Jets coverage throughout the week as we continue on the rest of the season. The Jets don't play again until Thursday, so I may have to talk about some AHL stuff or talk about some stuff around the league, especially as we head up to the inevitable playoff run. Before you log off, though, don't forget to check out our NFL Draft coverage. Today through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!